0: So today's episode is going to be a little bit heavier in subject matter. It's still going to have our opinions in it, still going to be as light and fluffy as we can make it, but it does deal with a serious mental health issue.
1: We do have a lot of opinions, and they are strong opinions, but we hope that through this we can reach out to someone in need. If you are feeling suicidal or if you are self-harming, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.
0: We want you to keep listening with us, so if you're feeling that you need to end your life, please reach out to someone to talk. And now back to our regularly scheduled program.
1: Welcome to Audio Shelf,
0: A place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad. And I'm Brittany.
1: And we are the voices in your head.
0: Today's book is 13 Reasons Why by Jay Asher, narrated by Deborah Wiseman and Joel Johnstone. The publisher is Listening Library, and the audiobook release date was October 1st, 2007. The duration is 6 hours and 24 minutes. The genres are bullying, mystery, and detective. What? (laughs) Exactly my reaction. What? Exactly my reaction. There is no mystery and there is no detective-y meme.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And suicide.
1: Whoa. Heavy. Heavy stuff. Real heavy. This summary is taken by Amazon. You can't stop the future. You can't rewind the past. The only way to learn the secret is to press play.
0: I was hoping it would rhyme.
1: Yeah, I was too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I expected.
1: (sighs) Clay Jensen returns home from school to find a strange package with his name on it lying on his porch. Inside, he discovers several cassette tapes recorded by Hannah Baker, his classmate and crush, who committed suicide two weeks earlier. Hannah's voice tells him that there are 13 reasons why she decided to end her life. Clay is one of them. If he listens, he'll find out why. Clay spends the night crisscrossing his town with Hannah as his guide. He becomes a first hand witness to Hannah's pain, and as he follows Hannah's recorded words throughout his town, what he discovers changes his life. Forever.
0: All right. So before we dive into the actual content of the book, because I know I have a lot of feelings about this.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: We are going to discuss the narrators per usual in our typical way. And then we will unleash the beast about the book.
1: And it's a big beast.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So let's talk about the performance of both Deborah Wiseman and Joel Johnstone. Mm -hmm.
0: I found it interesting that there were two narrators um, it makes sense when you start the book and when you look at the physical copy of the book, since it takes place basically during two different times one with Hannah and then another with Clay. Mm-hmm. So it made sense that there were two narrators, and I really enjoyed that there were two because yeah. if there weren't, I felt like I would have been lost.
1: Exactly. And I also think that it flowed very nicely with two narrators, and I think the audiobook finished pretty quickly. Yeah, because it was going back and forth between Hannah and Clay.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: Out of Deborah or Joel, which one did you prefer listening to?
0: Joel, hands down. Mm-hmm. I thought that his voice was way more youthful than Deborah's voice. Yes, I felt that he fit Clay as a character way better. He actually sounded like Toby Maguire to me.
1: Yeah, I can see that. No, I'm sorry. Puberty. I just hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Life is pain. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going through puberty!
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, al- I also believe that Joel was young-sounding and kind of, I don't know, that chill kind of vibe got he got going on. But at times I felt like he didn't care too much about what was going on. I felt like he was kind of bored in a couple back and forths with Hannah's character, which is played by Deborah. And Deborah, for me, sounded like a 20-something-year-old. Yes. And she was very snarky. I did not like her voice because it did not match a teen going through this quote-unquote pain.
0: Yes. I felt that Hannah's voice was done in a way that made me not sympathize for Hannah whatsoever. I mean, there were many reasons why I didn't really sympathize with Hannah. And one of the biggest ones was because of Deborah's characterization of her.
2: Yeah, she
1: was very sarcastic and snarky and nonchalant about everything.
0: Yeah, and I understand if that's how the writing came across, but there's a certain amount of feeling that you can still put in your voice that Mm -hmm. I just did not think was there. Even in moments where uh, Hannah was emotional and was supposed to be on the verge of tears, I just didn't feel it. It came at a point in the book that was so deep down the path. It was like the last hour when the emotions started coming through. And I just, I didn't care about Hannah at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was unfortunate, but it's how I felt.
1: I agree. And her voice, going back to that age concept, because she sounded so mature, made me not feel for Hannah's character in a yeah. way I feel like the the author wanted me to. Yeah. I think they should have searched for another actor to play that role.
0: Yeah. A more youthful sounding voice.
1: Because she wasn't a horrible narrator. No. Yeah, there were parts of her voice where she contributed a little personification of the character, but I just feel that she was not the right choice for Hannah.
0: Right. Yeah, I 100% agree. I did feel that their voices for other people Mm -hmm. were pretty effective. There were moments where Deborah was imitating a male's voice in Hannah's recordings, just kind of recounting the story of what was happening. So it was Hannah mocking somebody else's voice. Mm
2: -hmm. I feel
0: like she did a really good job with that. She made the meathead athletes sound like meathead athletes, and she made the perky little cheerleaders sound like little valley girls Mm -hmm. i thought it was really cool what she was able to do with her voice since it was kind of a two degrees of separation type of thing i found that part interesting Mm -hmm. joel he tries for some voices yeah he tries for his mom's voice but she ends up just kind of sounding
1: also tony's voice he had that like all of a sudden New York accent oh, voice yeah. for Tony.
0: I was like, "Where <laughs> did this come from?" I was
1: like, "Where, where is Tony from? Does he live with in the same neighborhood as you?" Is
0: his name Danny Zuko, and is he working on Grease Lightning? Exactly. Like... What?
1: But I did like that difference between Tony and, and yeah. Clay.
0: At least there was some difference between yeah. them.
1: At least there was some effort put into. The- yeah from the narrator
0: and i felt like both narrators really tried to give a unique voice to each character that they came in contact with Mm -hmm. so i felt like that was really really great too that was a great job Mm -hmm. what did you think about the emotions that were able to put forth i know we talked about it a little bit in the beginning with how we felt the age and stuff but when they got down to the emotions in the book how did you feel the narrators portrayed those
1: Overall, I I have positive feelings about them. I just don't think that they were... I don't know how to even say my answer for this. I feel like they were lackluster in a way. I feel like there's only so many emotions that were put in the writing that the narrators could give. Because there wasn't really... There was sarcasm and, I guess, worry on the part of Clay worrying about when his story was going to come up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are the only two... Emotions, or like I didn't really sense pain from Hannah because of how her character was written. But in the times when there was pain or worry or just sadness, I did feel that a little bit from both narrators. I just wasn't going to be like, oh my God, so much emotion from each narrator. It was just very lackluster for me.
0: Hmm. I found that Joel's reading was a little bit more powerful than Debra's um I could kind of get a sense right from the beginning of his confusion over the tapes and the wonder that he had and also the need to continue listening throughout the night because I mean he listened to all these tapes in one night Mm -hmm. I felt like that rush was there and I at a certain point could feel his exhaustion when he was nearing the end of the tapes when he finally did get to his tape which is number nine
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I could get the sense of relief in his voice as well. Like, as soon as he knew what his part was and where he fell in the equation, he just kind of relaxed. And as a narrator, you could kind of feel him, like, shake off the character a little bit. So it was like he had a bit of anxiety for Clay finding out where he fell. And then when he did find out where Clay was in the timeline, he was able to just let go a little bit.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But Deborah. uh, the emotion was there. Like I said before, she had some moments where Hannah was crying. You could really hear that. But it just came a little too late for me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because of the writing.
1: I agree. What do you think about the transitions throughout the entire audiobook?
0: The transitions were interesting because they weren't normal chapter breakdowns. Mm-hmm. They were basically separated by each tape.
1: Cassette 2, side A. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And Clay would go through and describe like what was on the tape. It was in like blue marker and would start off with the name of who was going to be dealt with in the tape as well a little bit just to kind of set the stage as to what Hannah laid out for him. Mm
2: -hmm. But it was
0: mainly separated by, okay, this time to change the tape. The tape ended and then it would Mm -hmm. move on. So I'm not sure how the physical book laid it out, but I'd be interested to see how it was.
2: Mm
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I I really enjoyed how Clay set you up with the cassette number and the side. And then Hannah would continue with, so let's talk about this person. And I really liked that because I was prepared and ready for the next tape to be played. I was kind of on that same journey as Clay. Yeah. And I think that's why I really like the dual narrators and just the whole production of this audiobook is it made me feel like I was going through the motions that Clay was going through Mm -hmm. as well. Exactly. And there were no pauses. No. There were, I think, if any, there were like really on point and it was pretty quick. Yeah. Depending on how fast you listen to it, of course.
0: I kicked this up to about 1.5.
1: Yeah, I was at 1.5. And to be honest, right when we got past Clay, I'm at a 2.0. Yep. Because I'm like, I want to get this done because I don't like the material.
0: Yes. Which we are getting ready to talk about very soon. Mm -hmm. So get hyped.
1: Exactly. So duration was not long. It was six hours, 24 minutes. I believe the book, the hardback book, is actually 288 pages. Mm. So not long. Did you feel like it was too long?
0: No, I listened to it in a day because I was like, I need to get through this. Yes. I had a wedding to edit. I was on it. Mm -hmm. I went through it. Got it done. I didn't want to have this in the wings waiting anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I think the timing was perfect. It was nice and short. It was a day. Listen, I think that this material, I don't. if it was a 13-hour book, oh my God.
0: Oh, I couldn't imagine. Would have been if, miserable. If there were 13 hours to go with the 13 reasons and each hour dealt with another reason, oh.
1: Oh my gosh. I
0: can't even say what I would do to myself.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't.
0: Because I can't
1: oh my goodness but yeah i think the duration was just perfect
0: yeah i do have to say that there was a little production note that i made in the recording there's a part where hannah is walking down the road walking through some nightly mist she's saying imagining the mist in deborah's normal voice and then a weird clip flips over and goes growing just kind of out of nowhere. It was very mm. weird. We'll have a little clip of it in just a second. But I, it was a totally different person, it sounded like, recording that growing part. Really? Yeah, it was strange. I had to mm. rewind a few times because I was like, did that really just happen? That's interesting. And I walked for hours, imagining the
1: mist growing thick and swallowing me whole.
0: So, I don't know what happened there, but you can judge for yourself if it sounds weird mm-hmm. to you.
1: We've mentioned that before where we were listening to an audiobook, and then all of a sudden, this random voice or a deeper voice of the same narrator is just reading one single line, and then it yeah. goes right back to normal. And one of the authors that we connect with, Geraldine Alley, she commented back and said that it was. Her fault that that happened because we commented on it and she said, Just let you know that that part in the audiobook was my fault. And so I wonder, how was it your fault? Maybe you wrote a different line and then it was changed in last minute editing from the book. Maybe. Or the audiobook. Because we've been in that point where we've had audiobooks come from different publishers that have different words. Yeah. Especially like um, Big Little Lies or other audiobooks I've listened to from Leanne Mority where she uses Australian slang that is then translated to American slang. And that's changed an audiobook versus the, the real book. So I just wonder what whose fault is that? Is that productions? Is that the authors? Did they change words? Did the production not like how she said that word? Like... I wonder whose thought it is. Yeah.
0: And it's weird that they don't blend it a little bit better because that growing is noticeable. Like mm-hmm. it's louder than the other lines. Yeah. It's really, really weird. Hmm. I'd be interested in knowing exactly what goes into those small little re-recorded words.
1: Mm-hmm. So are you ready to talk about the content?
0: The time has come. The walrus said.
1: All right. We're going to have some haters probably. We
0: are, but I don't care. (laughs) I honestly don't. Because if you are going to champion this book as something special, why? Mm -hmm. Why?
1: You need to go find 13 reasons. No, that's bad.
0: (laughs) You need to list your 13 reasons.
1: List 13 reasons why.
0: Yes, because I have 13 reasons why not... To read this book that I'm going to share.
1: You have 13 reasons have of 13 why not? I have 13 reasons why not. You literally created a list.
0: I created a list of 13 reasons why oh, not. I
1: cannot wait. And
0: I want to go through each one <laughs> so that we can talk about it a little bit more. Oh, I,
1: I got to get comfortable for this.
0: <laughs> Sit back, lean back, get your cup of tea. So the first one is that its depiction of teenagers is ridiculous and superficial. Mm-hmm. They sound more like college-aged people. With their coffee drinking and they're gallivanting around town all night. And the parents just kind of don't care.
1: Where are the parents?
0: Where are the parents? It's
1: like that Channel 11 commercial at the very end before the news. It's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Where are the parents?
0: Where are they? It's like this town is run by just the children. Mm. And it's going down the drain. So I found the depiction of the teenagers was just so typical Mm -hmm. it was like hollywood's version of teenagers and it didn't feel real to me at all
1: but in a small town yeah Mm -hmm.
0: so number two was hannah is a horrible protagonist
1: horrible and we
0: go over those reasons because she's very sarcastic she doesn't seem like she cares she's a very one dimensional character Mm -hmm. and she's not someone that should be pioneering any sort of suicide awareness Mm -hmm. in the least bit
1: she's very naive she is Mm self-centered i truly believe that this whole process of creating these 13 tapes are out of revenge yes and not out of i needed help so help me you
0: touch on one of my points which
1: is what number is it 11 oh we skipped down
0: number 11 all
1: right we'll get back to that
0: Number three are the situations are contrived. Mm -hmm. They are 100%. All of these are happening to Hannah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Hannah is the only person in the world.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like it, it feels it just feels like they were pulled out of a hat. It's like, okay, what can what can we do to Hannah in order to make her feel like her life is pain? Oh, she fell off of a carousel one time. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. Like they're just kind of dumb situations Mm -hmm. to be put into. There were stronger situations that could have happened to Hannah that would have made this book more powerful.
1: Stronger situations happen to a lot of people. Yeah. That don't go this route.
0: And a lot of people in this book have stronger situations that happen to them. Oh,
1: hands down.
0: And it's kind of depressing. So number four is the message portrayed in the novel is that getting help is useless. And that adults are a bunch of dinguses.
1: Fruit loop dinguses. Mm -hmm.
0: I felt as though the people that were there to help that Hannah should have been talking to were just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They didn't offer any sort of help. And Hannah was never pushed to talk to anyone when she was alive. Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, Hannah is depressed and she might be suicidal Mm -hmm. and she's just going to play around with trying to get someone to talk to her instead of approaching someone Mm -hmm. and just speaking to them or instead of her friends, which she did have friends, Mm -hmm. coming up to her and just saying, Hannah... What's going on?
1: Mm -hmm. To be devil's advocate, I think that's the point that Asher was trying to make in this novel is that sometimes you just can't ask for help and you don't know how to ask for help. And so I think that's why she never asked for it. And that's why no one ever asked her if she needed help, because she was this person that hid everything, no matter how small, because they were small.
0: Except she also outwardly was expressing that she needed help. And they in had the, a, in the tapes, they no, and they, also had haircut. A, they had an entire section in a classroom where she writes, What if someone is thinking about suicide? and the entire class sits there and just kind of like berates people who are looking for help and gives all these reasons why the person is stupid mm-hmm. for committing suicide. And Hannah even equates it to. People write questions all the time about how would you go about getting an abortion? And nobody ever says anything negative about those people. But when it's about suicide, then they're all negative. And that's it. There's no helpful information. The, t- the teacher doesn't even give any helpful information about mm-hmm. you need to talk to someone. If this person is feeling this way, come up to me at the end of class and I will help you or write me another note. There's nothing of that. Mm-hmm. The teacher just kind of like shrugs her shoulders and moves on. Yeah. And that's the problem I have is that there were little bits in this book that could have put a positive message in getting help and talking to someone Mm -hmm. and it did not. It -hmm. did not take those advantages. My next point is, that brings me into my next point actually. (laughs) There's no real positive that comes out of the book. There is a real need for this book to have a non-vague positivity to it. That was necessary for it, necessary Mm -hmm. for the genre that it's in, which is young adult, and for the people that will be reading this book, which are teenagers Mm -hmm. that are going through what they feel may be similar things to Hannah. And the things that happened to Hannah are so contrived and and so – Small That if she were to just talk about them and and get help or have somebody approach her and get help, I think teenagers would have had a more positive effect, especially given what's happening now with the TV show, Mm -hmm. which I think you can talk about a little bit.
1: Yeah. So school counselors are sending out emails and letters home saying we've had an influx of self-harming children coming to, to guidance counselors or friends telling them that they're going to kill themselves or even writing finding notes about it so there's a lot of increase in this type of behavior and unfortunately in this world that we believe that we live in which is hard for me to accept because I always grew up thinking like TV shows don't affect behavior. Video games don't affect anger and all that other things that they say video games do and TV shows because I love TV, watch TV ever since I was little. I don't think anything's wrong with me, (laughs) but I guess I'm the outlier. But with this- There's a lot
0: of outliers. Yeah. The people that are being affected by these TV shows are the outliers. Yes.
1: And so they're saying that these kids are coming up to them saying, oh, I got the idea from this show called 13 Reasons Why. That's when you're you got to you got to step back and say, is this idea from a TV show or are you trying to get some attention or what else is going on? What else is deeper? Like, I get that schools are sending out these letters and that's awesome that they're being proactive about it. But we have to figure out, okay why is this child all of a sudden blaming a TV show for something that usually you don't just wake up and say, I'm going to be suicidal today?
0: It seems that way with Hannah. And
1: it seems like that way with Hannah.
0: Which is why I feel like the TV show portrays suicide mm-hmm. in also a clumsy and unnecessary way.
1: Yes, I agree. I don't think it treats the topic with any TLC.
0: Mm-hmm. Number six is I feel like Clay is a weak voice of reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel that he just accepts the guilt that Hannah is piling onto everybody else. hmm Instead of just accepting that Hannah had a problem and that she could have been helped if there was a teamwork of guidance given Mm -hmm. to her.
1: The worst thing about this book for me is I don't know if Jay Asher understands the idea of how much suicide affects everyone. Yeah. I think that he just wrote this book to say, hey, look at me, look at all the things that you missed with my life and you've avoided and didn't pay me any attention. I killed myself. Now you go help someone else. It's not about that. Suicide shouldn't teach you that lesson. Yeah. And because this girl has now given this tape to 13 different people, she has now made 13 people suicide survivors. Yeah. In a way of, you've now affected 13 people that shouldn't have been affected in the first place. Yeah. And yeah, I get it. Yeah, the girl that we knew died two weeks ago, and I'm sorry about that. But when coming home from school, was Clay really thinking about Hannah that day? Right. You never know. Yeah, exactly. But now, all of a sudden, that's all he's thinking about is because he got this box from Hannah, and now he has to survive this suicide all over again.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And so I don't think Jay Asher's intention or way of carrying out this story was done well. No. I think it was it was very careless. Yeah.
0: And it brings me to the eighth point, which I'll jump back to the seventh in a second, but Hannah blames everyone. So mm-hmm. like you were saying, she makes all of these people suicide survivors. She also makes them guilty of her suicide. She mm-hmm. passes blame on them which can do more damage than what they ever did to Hannah. That takes me back to my point 7. Mm-hmm which is Hannah's reasons. You don't need a reason to commit suicide. I recognize that. But her character reasons and the things that she puts on the tape are juvenile. The list of the hot or nots. She wasn't the only person listed on that list. Mm -hmm. The person that should have been even more affected by anything, and it's not a tit for tat situation, but... The knots. Yeah. What kind of struggles are Mm -hmm. they going through? I'm interested in hearing more about the people who were actually negatively affected. Instead of Hannah saying, oh my god, I was on this hot list as having the best butt in the freshman class. Oh
1: my god. And that made people sexualize me. Oh my gosh. And I get it. Like, being sexualized is harmful. Is a problem. It's a problem. And no woman should be sexualized. No man
0: Should have that power.
1: Should have that power to sexualize a woman.
0: And also women shouldn't sexualize men. And I
1: think that's... I was going to say that, but then I was like in my head, I really do sexualize a lot of men. You do. Uh, Anyway. But no woman should have to go through that, and no man should have to go through that either. And I get it hurts you, and, and you have to walk down the street with fear of someone grabbing your butt or looking at you in a sexualized way, and that hurts. Yeah. But what about the
2: knots
0: yeah and there's also ways that hannah could have combated the the list Mm -hmm. entirely it was a list created in ninth grade like people don't carry the weight of these lists anymore like was it 1983 like i I don't understand what power this list Mm -hmm. had in it people should have said oh it's a list written by some pervy dude Eh. Mm -hmm. or hannah should have been able to take it Mm -hmm. and either go to her parents go to her friends and say this list is so stupid
1: yeah but that's self-confidence that's self-esteem maybe hannah didn't have the self-esteem that it took for her to be like this list is stupid this list is not relevant to me because it's positive or maybe in her eyes she was just saying I was talked about in a negative way, no matter w- how you perceive it. But it was negative to me because now I have to follow this whole life of everyone thinks I'm a whore because I have a nice butt.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. Except the book did not do that effectively. True.
1: True. And th- and I, I have no, I have no like doubt that that's
0: yes, it did. You know. It did not portray that, and her issues just ended up being a. Huge simplification of bullying mm-hmm. and sexual assault when, in reality, the the issues for suicide are so much more complex mm-hmm. than just, this boy said I had a nice butt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. all the other issues that Hannah went through because all of them were just surface level. And it just completely took me out of sympathizing with Hannah. Mm-hmm. So we already talked about number eight, which is she blames everyone for her problems. And she never once reflects on herself or what she could do. Number nine is instead of seeking help from anyone, Hannah decides that the next logical step after being the subject of a stupid rumor in ninth grade and a long list of hot or not where she had one listing, Mm -hmm. she was stood up on a date and then she was felt up. Her logical step to combating all of that is to kill herself.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That should never be the next step on a list for someone. Mm -hmm. Ever, And I feel like Jay Asher just made it that. He made it that next logical step. And then in the moments leading up to Hannah killing herself, he kind of backtracked and was like, oh, I'm going to try to get her to talk to somebody. I'm going to try to get her to admit her problems. Mm -hmm. So midway through the book, Hannah decides I'm going to kill myself. But then throughout the rest of it, it's just her backpedaling Mm -hmm. and her doing all the things that she should have did before she decided I'm going to end my life. Mm hmm. It just feels like such clumsy writing and just such a cluster of mismatched ideas. Mm-hmm. Like he was just grabbing from a grab bag of what to do next.
2: Yeah.
1: I just, while you're talking, I'm just imagining Jay Asher's process of writing this. The idea of, I'm going to have this girl who goes through pain. The pain is going to be, maybe in his eyes, it was a lot because he's not a teenage girl. Shocking. Shocking. But in his eyes, maybe he, those small details were enough to want to harm yourself. But then he goes throughout the whole book of blaming others.
0: Not seeking help. Not
1: seeking help. But then all of a sudden in the end, like you said, let us it's a rush to get help. In his eyes, he was saying, this is my chance to say it's too late for help. You've come this close to getting that help that you need, but it's just too late. And then I'm thinking, I'm like... Even if that was his point, it was so horribly carried out. Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't thought about and it wasn't demonstrated in a way of, let me actually tell a story. Yes. Unlike now I have the story that I want people to feel for and I'm sorry, Asher, I don't.
0: Mm -hmm. The next point is number 10. This book makes it seem like the best revenge is to end your life
2: Mm -hmm.
0: when in fact it always has been the best revenge is to live and to live well. Mm -hmm. To show all the people from your crummy small town that made fun of you, called you names, did everything possible to make your life a living hell, which I do not believe the people in this book actually did do to Hannah. You pay them back by showing them that they were wrong. Not killing yourself, and which takes me to the next point. Sending 13 tapes to these people and greatly altering the effects of whatever choices they have in their life by telling them that they were the reason that you killed yourself. Mm -hmm. That the whole entire reason why you are no longer on this earth is because of them. That is weak and that is incorrect of how people view their suicides.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What I would have liked this book to be focused on is not blaming others and making other people feel guilty for your actions, But why aren't the parents, and I know we've already went on this tangent about the parents are nothing, they're nowhere to be found, but he should have taken this and said, this girl in life was taught not to reach out for help, not to think things through in a logical manner, not to be strong-willed, because obviously I think what this episode is proving is that you and I, we have this different frame of mind and way of thinking that other people unfortunately that like Hannah do not have. And we've been through things that we I don't think any other person could have gone through, but we've come out alive and we've come out stronger than ever and we see how this is contrived. Yes. I wanted to know who in Hannah's life has ever been there because I've had my parents, my I've teachers, I've had older friends, I've had you know same age friends that have showed me, like, you deserve better than that, or you can get through this. Who was that for Hannah? Which, I think that's what his point was, was there was no one for Hannah. But again, did Hannah really leave herself up to find those people?
0: She had the one girl that was mentioned in the beginning, Kat, Mm -hmm. who was, like, a real genuine friend for her. Mm -hmm. And Kat did move away. Yeah. But... I feel like Kat still would have been there for Hannah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Hannah definitely did have people that would have listened to her. But she didn't Mm -hmm. try. She didn't make any attempts. And any attempts that somebody did make to talk to her, she just shut them down. Mm -hmm. She completely ignored them. Told them, no, I don't want you here. Get out. Mm -hmm. To me, this is completely logical in a real life standpoint. But what books are supposed to do for people are to give them a world to escape to and to give them a lesson to be learned and to experience and to reflect on your own self about. The fact that this book basically just gave people a reason to see that there's no hope in the world Mm -hmm. is offensive and should be looked at in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, definitely think that this book had no clear effective message for suicide prevention. I feel like it was only about ways to carry out your suicide, considering Mm -hmm. that Hannah goes through a whole list of what she can do to kill herself. Yeah. It is a very raw and a very real situation and subject matter. Mm -hmm. But I 100% believe that there were other more effective ways that Jay Asher should have approached this. He could have done a suicide book and it have been so much more powerful than this.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Anyway, we're still on we're still on 12. (laughs) So we only have two more to go. So 12 of my 13 reasons not to read this book is Hannah refuses to turn in the person that is the actual villain of the book. There is an underlying cause to all of the issues that Hannah does have and he is Kind of like a little creepy dude that just kind of hangs out in the background and doesn't make himself known until Hannah decides to have him assault her. Mm-hmm. And I don't even care about spoilers this time.
2: I
1: mean, it's a TV show now. Get right, it's a TV get show.
0: It. Yeah, it's a TV show. And I don't think you should be reading this book. So anyway, I'm going to tell you that Hannah allows someone to sexually assault her. She goes over to the house And she gets into a hot tub with this creepy dude who throughout the book has been known to be a complete douchebag. Completely creepy, disgusting man. And she, in order to give up the last bit of herself, allows him to touch her inappropriately. And so I don't even know if it can be considered sexual assault, considering it was consensual. He committed an actual crime earlier in the book. That Hannah just wipes her hands of and tells the person that he committed the crime against. She dedicates a whole tape to that girl telling her that she's one of the reasons why Hannah has decided to kill herself. Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing that this girl has been affected by something so great by this creepy dude and turning him into the police, Hannah decides to throw her blame of her suicide onto that girl. So congratulations Hannah, you are a loser. She made that girl feel even more worthless than that girl was probably already feeling. Mm -hmm. And she looks at it as a way of, now you know how I felt, but it's like, no, Hannah. The things that happened to you were nowhere near what happened to that girl. Mm -hmm. And you just let the guy that did that to her get off scot-free. That made me lose any shred of respect I had for Hannah immediately.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: My last point is, and I think that you can also... Speak to this like once I say it is that it's not an educational message of suicide Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or the cause and effect of bullying. It is very weak in its delivery and it's very, like we said, mismatched altogether. It's a collage of ideas that were never really well thought out or well executed. And I think if you want to watch something that's actually strong in the message and will leave a lasting effect on you, there is a movie on netflix that's called girl like her it's powerful and it's raw and it's very much gives you a reflection on what it's like to be a teenager today Mm -hmm. i think that does a way better job than 13 reasons why because for one there is no blame pinned on anyone even though there actually should be in that movie. Mm -hmm. It is just a a constant evolution and reveal of the bigger message to the movie. So definitely watch A Girl Like Her. I loved it, and I now look at things differently.
1: Hmm. So I think what the author here is trying to do is take a very innocent time in someone's life and throw all this stuff at them, and then say, hey, you're not strong enough for this, so you're going to kill yourself, but you're in the process going to take down 13 other people. To me, that screams, in my profession, borderline traits, which are traits that, especially in women, men have it too, but it's mostly seen in women, are attention-seeking behaviors. There are times when people with borderline traits reach out for people. And then when they finally get them, shove them away because in their lives, they're taught that their feelings aren't good enough, but it's hard because with her, this teen, the way Asher has wrote this book, everything is in this teen world. And it's hard to diagnose someone with borderline personality disorder as a teen, because teens are still maturing. They're still growing. Their personalities haven't fully developed. But with this girl, I feel like she was written as a 20-something character because yes. it was written by a man who was in his middle age, right? I don't
0: know how old he I don't was know how he was. But. It was.
1: This book came out in 2007, so I don't know how old he was. But I feel like this character was written and it could have been better placed in a maybe later adolescent life, maybe college years. Then I would have understood this character more. Then I would have been like, okay, this is the character's personality. Her whole life, she was invalidated. And her whole life, she has needed something or someone to tell her how amazing she was. And so that's why she tends to play around with the idea of suicide. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she in this case, this little teen actually did it. And so I, do, I just don't know what Asher's point was to create this world where in the end, nothing... Nothing mattered. Mattered.
0: That's the thing that I don't respect about the book. Yeah. Because I feel like... It could have been way more effective if she would have lived and if she would have ended up attempting suicide, but then maybe in her attempt realizing that that's not what she wanted mm-hmm. out of life. And so she would have had a small come to Jesus moment yeah. where she survived mm-hmm. and she was able to face these people, not send them a tape recording mm-hmm. of her story but talk to them and become an advocate.
1: So the way I like to see this novel end to make it more effective is if we were done the tapes and then all of a sudden we found Hannah in the hospital recuperating from her attempt of suicide. Mm -hmm. The reason why I think that's more effective is statistically speaking, women tend not to go through their suicide attempts. It doesn't usually happen. There's usually this thought about it i'm gonna try it i'm gonna play with the idea of it and then i'm gonna eventually get help or do something that's not evasive as gun to the head or hanging like men <laughs> unfortunately sorry yeah but i think that would have made the story more effective than just having her die it's it's gruesome in a way of like watching this child out as a parent which I'm not, I would be mortified to know my child is watching a, t- a TV show or reading a book about how easy it is to kill yourself.
0: Yeah, about how this girl tried it and successfully did it, and how she decided to do it based on very shaky grounds.
1: Mm-hmm. And planned it. Yeah. I mean, she planned this whole game.
0: Yeah. It was it was a very premeditated thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel as though it...
1: Doesn't depict suicide.
0: No. 100% not.
1: Correctly, yeah. It's and an, that's that borderline. It's like they they plan and they try to find out how they can get at that person the best.
0: Yeah. And I feel like Hannah's character completely just takes it away. And it allows teenagers who are also suffering from the same beginnings of borderline personality... Mm-hmm to have an outlet of how to express themselves Mm -hmm. which is not something that you want these people to be experimenting with i mean it is crazy how in a day and age we have teenagers who are going to be attempting suicide based off of a tv show but it's even more crazy how parents aren't going to realize that their kids are actually suffering from something much deeper and that the kids aren't going to really realize that they're suffering from something much deeper And potentially taking advantage of the situation because there's probably a lot of people out there that are attention seeking but don't suffer from borderline personality disorder. True. And so the fact that they see suicide as a way of getting attention from their parents Mm -hmm. or getting attention from their friends or doing anything that would give them more validation than, say, a sibling or somebody or some other friend, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Because you have real kids that are really suffering from things. And then you have people like Hannah, who I agree with you, she was probably going to suffer from some personality issues in the future. But what was presented in the book, it just seemed like she she just wanted the attention.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's sad because it's not something that you should be thinking about someone who commits suicide. But the way Hannah was written is the way that she came across to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think because we're having this conversation, maybe that's a positive from the book? Is that we're seeing it from a different light? Of now we're speaking up. It's, it was this book was written in two thousand seven, and ten years later, now all of a sudden this is like a topic.
0: But I think it's I think we're talking about it because the topic is being twisted into something dangerous, mm-hmm. and I don't think that was the book's intention. I don't think Jay Asher went into it saying I want teenagers to kill themselves more. Yeah. So I don't think that was the message and I don't think that it's a positive that we're talking about it right now. I certainly don't want to be ripping apart a book that is about suicide because it handled it poorly and now there are people who are self-harming more. I don't want to be having this discussion. Mm-hmm. The fact that we are is sad mm-hmm. because of a book that a middle-aged man put out about a teenage girl. Yeah. This episode's been a little less funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just think it's just there's so many emotions in it and
0: there is and I had very strong emotions while listening to mm-hmm. it because it just yeah it's really sad. I remember what it's like to be a teenage girl. I remember the feelings, the rumors, the the gossip, the effects that it can have on someone and I have to say that the things that Hannah dealt with Were high school. Yeah. I mean, honestly and truly, they were. And anyone who's going to be like, yeah, well, to Hannah, that was some, they they meant something more, are not looking at the other people that also went through the same things as Hannah. Mm -hmm. There was a whole nother part of the list that had everybody else's name on it and had a lot more girls that were subjected to being sexually harassed than just Hannah. And the fact that we focused in on Hannah completely killed it. Mm -hmm. It was not very good. (laughs) So I think that what Jay Asher should have messed up more than suicide awareness is the fact that list making in high school where you put girls on a pedestal and look at them for their best features, he should have taken the story and turned that into how a list has no value to a person. It's just a piece of paper. And so I think that instead of doing suicide, he could have did a lighthearted thing of all the girls that were included on that list, beating the shit out of that little perv that made the list. (laughs) I don't condone violence, but that little boy was asking for it. Mm -hmm. Especially since he did it out of revenge, too. Yeah. A disgusting book.
1: So, do you feel like this is the time to end? (laughs) So would you...
0: (laughs) You already know the answer to this question. This book sho- is a shove, a hard shove. A a shove to where I want to rewrite the book
2: mm-hmm. even though
0: I have no skill at writing. <laughs> I don't condone violence for this little pervy dude, but I would for this. How would you uh take your book? Would you take it shelved or shoved?
1: I would shove this and I would say bye book. Hmm. I would shove this.
0: Yeah. I think that is the consensus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we know that this was kind of a heavy episode, didn't have a lot of goofs and gaffes in it, but we're passionate people.
1: We love life.
0: And so we think everyone should love life as well. And if you don't, call that hotline from the beginning of the episode and get some help. Or exactly. you can talk to Brad and I.
2: Yeah, we're we here.
0: Like, we like talking.
1: We're here. And good thing about life is that you can get two free audiobooks. <laughs> For the price of free. If you go on our website and click on the Audible affiliate link, you can download a free 30-day trial to receive two free audiobooks from Audible.
0: Awesome! Yay! Also, if you want to follow along with all of our audiobook adventures, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at audioshelfme. And also subscribe to us on iTunes Podcast, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know what you think. Leave us a comment or uh, drop us a Twitter thing.
1: Yes, or a review on iTunes. Bye! Bye. That was lively. This has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday.
0: If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me.
1: We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening.
0: Move when you start talking. It's already right, so a habit.
1: <laughs> there we go.
0: Please reach out to someone to talk.
1: We need the listeners.
0: I <laughs> got that part, but. That <laughs> 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 was good though. Okay, good. Why'd you go into Dropbox?
1: Oh, uh, I always get Dropbox and Docs that say, confused.
0: And it deals with bullying. <laughs>
1: And it goes a little something like this. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Give me, uh, drop me a beat. <laughs>
1: that was a deep breath. And as he follows Hannah's recorded words. I'll do that again. And as he follows Hannah's recorded words throughout his town. I can't. And as he follows Hannah's recorded words. Oh why is it why is it hurting my tongue?
0: Recorded words throughout <clears> this <throat> <the> town. <laughs> oh
1: god. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. My, my tongue is the like big. The sound of
0: your tongue is
1: <laughs> My tongue is so big.
0: <laughs> sorry. You got your big tongue in check. <laughs> yes, 100%. I got I keep saying 100% throughout every recording.
1: I'm Whoa, sorry. puberty. I just hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe I was just going to... No, no, my no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Take that <laughs>
0: out. Scratch that. <laughs> um,
1: That's going to be a blue, blooper. <laughs> Clay's perspective taking of the situation.
0: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> what did you say?
1: Because I haven't finished yet.
0: <laughs> Nobody needs to know that.
1: That's true. It's 11 o'clock. Do you know where your parents are? Bye. Wait. <laughs> we... all right we're gonna end for today but not our lives oh my god i don't know how to end this i don't know how to end this episode